right. Hey, everyone. Welcome to the Spade Spoon Soul podcast, a podcast where we try to connect the goodness um, that comes from using our spades, um, using our spoons, and connecting all of that to our soul. And uh, we're excited to be back and back in it as a team with my co-host here. And we, uh, I'm going to throw it now to Brian and let him try to introduce and see if he can talk me. Well, I'm, I'm going to just really work at rebranding okay. or co-branding. This is Triple S, Spade, Spoon, Soul. And it's great. We're re- kind of relaunching. We've done over... 30 episodes in a couple of years now, and um, we're going to get back up on our bicycle and pedal around the Episcopal Church. Jennifer, let's hear yours. All right. I'm Jennifer Baskerville Burroughs, Bishop of Indianapolis, and this is the Space Spoon Soul podcast, which connects all my favorite things, growing food, eating food, and talking about how it nourishes our bodies, both individually and as a community. Can't wait to get into our talk of being back together and all the adventures we've had since we were last co-hosting as a group. And there's been a lot that's gone on in the last few months. So I'm looking forward to just catching up with you all. So Jerusalem, um, what have you been doing the last two, three, four months? That is a, uh, we don't have a podcast long (laughs) enough for that. (laughs) No, we don't. (laughs) Yeah, but uh, talk about planting some new seeds and and new growth. So um, through a very interesting set of events, which again, not a long enough podcast for that. Our family found ourselves and we were living in New Jersey where we had been for about a year. And on a kind of a holy experiment that really, well, it just failed. It it failed as an experiment. And sometimes that happens, you know, and you learn from it. And we said, okay, God, what's next? Um, And it turns out what was next is something we could have never expected. Um, But it was to move to Southern Ohio, to the Diocese of Southern Ohio, to outside uh, a little rural town called London, Ohio, in the the Madison County um, farmland. We were surrounded by uh, bean and cornfields to the Proctor Center Camp and Conference Center here in the diocese, which is on about 1,300 acres. Uh, About 200 of it is the Camp and Conference Center where there is a, a small farm uh, gardens, pigs, chickens. Um, there's a beautiful historic old red barn. There's a lake. Um, there's cabins. There's fishing pond. There's a, like I said, a, a lodge, you know, with rooms and a dining hall and all that sort of thing. Um, and we, my husband, Nathan, and I have moved here. Um, um, I'm now the full time interim director um, of the Proctor Center. And I have, um, left my job uh, from the presiding bishop's office, uh, which was a, it was a hard, good decision, um, but left with all the love and fondness in my heart. And I can't quite quit them. So I'm still doing some consulting (laughs) work because I love my, my colleagues and the ministry there of evangelism and discipleship. But 
Um, this work here at a camp and conference center, an Episcopal camp and conference center, um, where we can connect literally our spade, our spoons and souls um, is, is pretty amazing. And it was an opportunity we just could not say no to. So we are here. We are living on site. Um, we are have dove in the deep end of trying to figure out what this means. Um, and we're here with our three dogs. Um, our kids are spread all out over the northeast and um, the south but i say we're i'm halfway in between all the kids so i can get to anybody in a day um and so i guess if they're not going to live with me for the rest of their lives um this is a decent enough uh, compromise so that's what we're doing lots of change um but it's it's all good it's all good well that sounds great i i haven't I've only been to the Proctor Center once, maybe about was like 2014, I think, when I was still in Chicagoland, we'd done a pro program there. And I have fond memories of running, doing a morning run around the property, but didn't really, maybe they didn't have animals at that time. But yeah. um, I'm delighted to hear about how it's continued to grow. And I think you're going to have a really great time. Really I'm excited. Fun. I'm excited. And we just, um, we have a new bishop. It's a new day in the Diocese of Southern Ohio in lots of ways, <laughs> not just at the Proctor Center, but we have a new bishop coming, um, Bishop-elect Kristen White, who was your canon to the ordinary. Um, yep. And so uh, I think she's um, also a foodie and excited about things like hiking. Um, so I think we're going to have a lot of fun uh, dreaming and planning and implementing um, some really great things here at Proctor. So now we just have to get you here and get Brian here and yeah, well, I mean, we'll we'll have to make that happen. And I think there's a podcast waiting to happen maybe with you and Kristen once you get more settled in. Because fun fact, Kristen White lived just a couple of blocks from me. And because my backyard is covered in these old growth trees and has no sunlight, she grew food in her treeless backyard. And is, I mean, not only quite the foodie, but she knows how to grow amazing vegetables of every variety. And so... Um, so I'm not only losing my canyon, but I'm losing my fresh vegetables <laughs> homegrown <laughs> in the neighborhood. But she will bring all of those yeah. gifts um, and appreciation for what's happening at Proctor um, when she comes and gets settled in there. So you're going to have a good time together. We're excited. That's exciting. Always love having another gardener on the team. So yeah. Brian, yeah. what about you? What's up? Our what, what are, you know, I'm boring compared to the, the <laughs> two of you. You know, I'm continue to babysit uh, a two and a half year old. Um, the six and a half year old, you know, I get to look over her shoulder while she's doing her homework. So it's really wonderful living, I don't know, two, maybe two and a half miles away from them. And um, been uh, having a lot of fun um, continuing to work with Good News Gardens, which I think all of our listeners know this is this is Jerusalem's special baby uh, that I get to continue to work with. But we'll be dragging her in as long as um, she's farming. You know, she's part of Good News Gardens, um, and that, that'll be fun. But, um, wow, what? The thing, that, the, the thing that's really foremost in my mind was a conference I went to last month that I'll just, before I pass the baton over to Jennifer, I went to the Genesis gathering, which uh, is part of new Episcopal communities, which is a program uh, of the presiding bishop's office that 
of Katie Nakamura and Tom Brackett and some other pretty wonderful people are involved in. And we got to do it at St. Mary's Mariposa, which is in Koreatown in, in Los Angeles. And it was wonderful. I mean, if you can go to a Genesis conference, you should, because these are the super creative people of the Episcopal Church. And St. Mary's just, they've got this um, garden and, um, you know, it's, uh, you know, sort of known as the Japanese American church in the diocese in Koreatown, but has a huge uh, community of people from Oaxaca. And uh, so we even had a uh, a house band um, that, that played for us, um, kids from the community who play at the church. Um, and it was just wonderful. I never want to go back to, I just want to go to church conferences that are actually at churches that are doing fun things. So, um, you know, mm. just, and really what I'm doing right now is, is, um, and focused on is, uh, is coaching. And, um, you know, I, I've sort of given up on, you know, I did what a lot of old guys do who've worked for nonprofit organizations. I became a consultant when I retired from ERD and really came to the realization that people who are working in the, the food and agrarian uh, land stewardship space, they don't need a consultant. They just need a coach because you know, they've got all this great internal wisdom and relationships. They know their land in ways that a consultant would never know it. So I'm just having a lot of fun. Um, and I feel like I should, I shouldn't say this. No, I, I, I was going to say I should be paying these people to let me coach them because I'm having way too much fun. I still give them an so, Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, no, no. I'll, I'll get anyone who hears this. I'll give you a really sweet introductory uh, fee. Okay, so you can still pay me. Yeah, your wife. Jennifer. <laughs> oh no. At the at the at the end of the day, I wouldn't like it either. Yeah. <laughs> so I am. I am just about finding my equilibrium again, kind of after being on sabbatical for four months. Sabbatical plus vacation. So I took four months from May uh, to the beginning of September to really kind of check out. And um, it, it was really wonderful. Uh, my assistant said, oh, you looked at a few emails. I'm like, yeah, I just, uh, I mean, I saw a few things. I only got two phone calls, but I was really all the way checked out doing reconnections with family, my both my family at my home with my husband and son, but also extended family and family of origin back on the East Coast meeting up with all these run crews um, around the country and around um, England. Um, didn't get to meet as many because um, I got injured <laughs> along the way. So sort of the life of the runner, you know, you run a little, you get injured a little, you, you rinse and repeat kind of thing, recover and uh, start all over. So, but it was just great to be in a different space, literally and figuratively to think about different things, the nature of belonging and how we create community that really matters. And so really good time. But one of the best blessings of that travel after we had gotten, we had spent two and a half weeks in England and Scotland and then came back, 
I took my son to camp in Maine and then drove back on my own just down the eastern seaboard, which gave me the occasion to visit some of the places and guests we've had on the podcast, which was so amazing. So I had three days on Martha's Martha's Vineyard. And so I got a chance to go and check out Fork to Pork and spend some time. I mean, I actually fed the pigs and hung out with them and moved them. I mean, they had to sort of move from one section to another. Anyway, I, Ian Douglas was really wonderful and generous in helping me understand what that ministry and that business is all about. I got to pick up the food from the restaurants and bring it. I mean, it was amazing. So in a wonderful way. Please, please tell me you have pictures. I do. Well, see, and this is the thing. I sent you pictures, but I was sending them to the wrong um, (laughs) phone number. So I do have photographs and I will make sure we get them. We can post them in the show notes or something. But yeah, the pigs were amazing, beautiful. So I had time with them and um, and got great photos. And then I, at towards the end of it, was doing a retreat at Trinity Camp and Conference Center in West Cornwall. Mm-hmm. And that was all about movement and faith. But of course, it gave me occasion to hang out in, at the, their farm and meet the donkeys and to see the food they grow there. Got lots of good photos. And, um, and it was just wonderful because there's nothing, nothing replaces being able to show up and to see a place in person and to smell it and to put my, you know, feet on the ground in those places and really understand it. So that those were some unexpected, really, truly wonderful gifts of the sabbatical time. But there's one other thing I would say. Um, I mean, there's a lot of things I could say, but when I came back, I spent time reconnecting with all of the people in the diocese of Indianapolis who have been doing amazing ministry, of course, while I was gone. And we have this one committee called Mission Strategy, which is really about resourcing congregations to do impactful ministry, like to know what their mission is and have a strategy behind it to be healthy. So they said, you know, one of the initiatives is around collaborations and they're going to focus. They chose, I wasn't even in the room because I was on sabbatical. The leader said, you know, we see all of these people growing food and we've got St. Peter's in Lebanon with their food garden and their bees. And we're going to see if we can't put some funding and strategy around bringing congregations to collaborate on the areas of growing food. And so, you know, that gave me reason to just jump up with joy as I was just one of the first things I, I heard when I returned was this initiative. So I'm just, you know. It's all good. Oh, there's things that are challenging, but like, I love this diocese. They're doing such amazing work. And to be able to see folks um, really digging deep, literally, on some of this important work is satisfying, to say the least. So that's amazing. Well, and to go away on sabbatical and to come back and have them have it so dovetail with some of the things you did. And like, they get it. It's not just me. I'm not just the lone one, you know, trying to get this work going that to find out there are other people doing that that's gotta feel good that's yeah really yeah it's very, yeah. really exciting so. yeah i haven't gotten a sabbatical yet i hear they're nice but i'm always afraid that if i went on sabbatical i wouldn't want to come back were you afraid of that like did you absolutely yeah i was afraid of that when i was going in i mean but i went i was uh, as i was starting sabbatical i was so exhausted i mean i i kept saying to people i am so crispy if i don't now that I know I'm going to have this time, if I don't go away, I'm not going to be able to make it. It was just, I was so tired. And so I was thinking, gosh, you know, this is kind of nice. Not have to go to work. In the day. Like I get to decide what I want to do each day. And yeah. I have time to read all the books and catch up on all my, you know, Netflix things and learn, you know, do my Duolingo. So I was leaning hard into that. But by 
uh, late August, I was like, I miss my people. I mean, I, because I got off of Facebook and stayed on Instagram because I was posting some things to Instagram, trying to reduce my social media feed time. And I kept seeing what people were doing. And I'm like, well, look at this church doing this amazing thing. And look at this program that just spotted out over here. And look at how happy they look. And here I am <laughs> at home. So I, I got to a point where I thought, I love having this time off. I would love to be less busy for sure. But I really was ready to come back because I didn't, I was tired of missing out. Oh, I love that. That's yeah. so good. That's good to hear. Yeah. Yeah. So that's always a worry. Awesome. Yeah. It's good stuff. But, the, but it makes clear so, to me that I want to see more of our places. All right. We need a road show or something. Yes. Like the places that we've been talking about and interviewing, you know, I need to, there are several spaces yeah. in your new diocese in Southern Ohio. So Got to get out there. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So just a little preview. Um, we This is Jennifer and I are into our third hour of podcast um, in less than 24 hours. Uh, we, we recorded yeah. um, one yesterday and one really early my time today mm-hmm. and uh, excited about them. One um, on a shine um who's the creation care missioner in the diocese of uh, western um north carolina and then this morning our friend anna wolfenden um uh, we only got half of the weston wolfenden writing team and so all five of us are going to get together as soon as we can get derek and jerusalem pulled in so we can talk about the just kitchen, but those conversations just, you know, I came away from both of them with about six different episode ideas. Um, And uh, if we just had enough time, the three of us, you know, we could, uh, you know, we could do this. We could release a podcast once a week or daily um, because there are just so many great inspirational stories sitting out there they're really you know what we should do can we come out to see you jerusalem i mean what if we i mean i could drive there if we could figure it's all just a scheduling problem but like right. what if we had a, a planning meetup at proctor <laughs> yes get out we could just like an overnight but because i but i mean we should yeah we could sit like down and we could yeah it'd be fun we could do maybe one or two like totally live yeah podcast because i i um i was at proctor i don't know about six weeks ago for a good news garden field day Mm -hmm. which was a lot of fun but i came in a day early and jason odin um who's one of the canons on the diocesan staff we just drove around and saw all these cool things that are going on it just in cincinnati alone and then I met people from Columbus, um, which is a pretty phenomenal place in terms of urban agriculture. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, love, you know, a little bit of a road trip. We could all rendezvous in Cincinnati. And, yeah. Yeah. And then uh, get up to Proctor. That'd be amazing. And we need to do a, a map 
like if someone wanted to go like, on, you know, if you're on vacation and you want to stop by some of these places, you know, we need like a little take the, the spade spoon soul tour, <laughs> a road trip. Right. But we, so as y'all know, and, and I think a lot of our listeners know I'm in grad school right now. I'm attending um, Wartburg seminary, which is a Lutheran seminary in Iowa. And one of the reasons I chose Wartburg is because they have a rural ministry track. Um, and a lot of it has to do with actually leading churches in rural settings, which is, you know, its own uh, ball of wax, right? <laughs> and helping with that. But a lot of it also has to do with agrarian life and the intersection, because if you are leading um, a church, if you are in ministry in a rural context, in America, chances are there's going to be something agrarian going on. That's going to be the life, right, of the, the majority of your parishioners. And so we had an intensive weekend um, that we got to go on. We went. I went up to the border of Wisconsin and uh, Illinois and stayed in this little, I can't remember the, the town's name at this, I mean, literally was on the border. Um, and we spent two days going to family-owned um, different agrarian businesses, essentially. We went to a small dairy, a small goat dairy, um, a meat process, a local meat processing and butcher shop, um, a grain distrib distribution center, um, a hog, they, uh, fo folks that raise um, show, show pigs, right? Like um, breeders. Um, and then a uh, uh, orchard, an apple orchard, Edwards apple orchard, which you might have heard of. I'm, yep. Um, that's got like amazing cider and people, you know, half a million people come through in 13 weeks. It's, it's amazing. But they're all, they're all locally owned. These were all family run things, right? Um, it's a, it's a whole deal. Um, and it was just fascinating, especially I thought the dairy visit was so fascinating because, you know, there was, uh, the woman it was that was giving us the tour was absolutely lovely. And we got to go everywhere. I mean, we got to milk the cows if we wanted. We got to go on the floor. They were on like this turnstile, like this merry-go-round, this oh, yeah. thing, right? Yeah. Um, the bottom of it, like I was getting seasick <laughs> because of the way it was going. But, you know, talking with her and listening to her talk about the, with the passion of what they're doing, but also a sense of, like she kind of came out of the gate trying to help us understand misinformation that we hear about dairy, right? Like she showed us the amount of things that they have to do to prove that there is no antibiotics in their milk, right? Um, it's kind of amazing. Like some of the things they have to do. And, and so it was just a, it was just an interesting, you just, I, one of the things I think, and I think this is one of the things our professor wanted us to see is the both and, right? Uh, big ag, local, smaller, uh, you know, ag, organic versus non-organic, just, and the, the challenges of all of it, right? That a lot of times we can just throw everybody under the bus and be like, you know, anti this or anti that. But when you are on some at somebody's dairy and you realize you know that the price of milk is set by the government oh, and right, it, right? And, it, and it's determined by how far you are from eclair that so so the, the milk processors in california get paid a lot more than milk processors in illinois 
because of how far they are from a geographical location. <laughs> Listen, you want to, uh, I, <laughs> I, I love that this is like a free form conversation because we can talk about anything, but I will never forget the first conference, the first NOFA New York conference, the Northeast Organic Farming Association conference in New York, which I used to attend maybe seven years straight because um, it, it was in Syracuse. And so I'm like, great, I would roll up there. And the first time I heard farmers talk about like what they need to do and the labeling issues and the the people who come to inspect who don't know a cow from a dog, I was like, okay, clearly I just need to like not worry about the USA, USDA organic label know the farmer and understand how politicized all of this. And so that's when I began reading Marion Nessel and the whole food politics. It's crazy. Mm -hmm. I mean, all of it. And so our food system, I mean, like we're speaking to preaching to the choir, we all are on a journey, but we have a sense that things are not quite right. And the dairy industry, particularly with the slimmest profit margins, means that people who are providing milk have to do things like cheese and yogurt because they can't make any money off of just plain milk. It's the way it's set up. There's no way to actually subsist on that. So, you know, it's it's a it's an amazing thing that you have to stay on top of, and there's no end to the learning. Anyway, sorry about the rant. No, no, my I, I, thoughts. I'm, yeah, no, I I had a feeling you would have opinions about this, but yeah, it was just fascinating because I I feel like even on our side where we you know, I think all of us try to be more holistic and organic and, and and sustainable and regenerative. Like those are all the things that we're advocating for. And when you go visit and you, and you're, like I said, and you're standing on someone's and the, like you said, the margins are so slim. Um, and if, you know, she was saying like, if, if they test the milk, they test the milk several places. If they get to um, the factory where they're going to like make it into cheese and they test it, um, and it turns out it, there's something in it that there shouldn't be. And then they can trace it to you. You have to pay for the whole tank, right? You have to pay for the loss of everyone's milk that was in that tanker. And it is, it is just, you go, why would anyone be a dairy? Like, why do we have well, milk at all? <laughs> Given how stressful this must be. Um, but it did give me a, a greater appreciation you know, for some of these things and just to see the differences and the folks that do the, that were doing the goat um, dairy, they used to be cow. They were a cow dairy. And now they're like, it's just so much easier to do goat. So it's just interesting, right? Like the government doesn't really care I mean, about the crisis. <laughs> if, 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 my, if my memory serves me right, this is a, a conversation I had a number of years ago with uh, Joanna Douglas, um, who runs Fork to Pork. Um, you know, she's, she went to Green Mountain College and studied dairy and worked at dairies around Connecticut. And, and you know, one of the reasons she went into um, pig farming um, was, you know, just the cost of, of setting up um, yeah. of the production. And, uh, you know, instead she drives now drives around Martha's Vineyard and picks up food scraps and doesn't, you know, it's, it, it's a, a lot easier. Um, you know, those are, those are tough decisions. I, yeah. I, I mean, mm -hmm. and again, you know, a lot of these, you know, I, from both sides of my family, you know, we're small family farmers and rarely 
um, ever got vacations um, because of just the demand, you know, and it didn't matter what day of the week. There was no Sabbath rust when it came to getting out uh, to to the milk barn um, in the morning um, to to do that work. Yeah, um, it's hard. And to do it for a long time, you know, I think, yeah. you know, it's hard on the body. It's hard on the family. Yeah. Yeah. So I was going to say, we between the two of you being in um, Ohio and Indiana, um, we need to line up um, a podcast with a small farmer and oh, yeah. have this conversation. Um, mm-hmm. I think it's really important. So part of the class, of course, because it's a seminary class, is we had to reflect on our experience of doing this immersion and how it relates to ministry. And of course, that's something we think about a lot on this podcast as well. That's part of the soul part. Um, and so the thing I noticed throughout all of the places we visited is that the ones that were the most successful looked like they were going to be able to carry on despite all the changes were the ones where the kids had come back and said, we want to be a part of this, but can we do this thing that's different and where the parents were willing to make a shift, right? They were willing to go with the kids had gone off to college maybe in ag, learn some new things and, and came back and said, can we try this? Um, and those were the ones that, that really seemed like they were going to make it. They weren't going to, the farm wasn't going to end with the parents when the parents died or retired. And I just thought about our churches and about the church and, or, you know, and I think Jennifer, this is somewhere you'd even be able to probably see But the places that are thriving, the places that are making it through these shifting times of what church looks like in America, right? My guess is they have the same attitude. Like when someone comes to them and says, can we try this thing? They tend to be more open, right? So I would just love to hear (laughs) y'all's thoughts on that. Well, we just did a podcast recording where we touched on that subject. (laughs) I I can't wait to listen to it. Yes. And so um, I don't know where it'll fall, fall in the lineup, but we had Anna Wiffenden on the podcast and, you know, she were holding off on talking about the book for the moment. So we ended up having a very wonderfully theologically meandering conversation. And because she's a church planter, she was able to lift up what that experience has taught her about legacy churches and how the ability to try a new thing, not just to be inspired by what a new church start might be doing, whether it's a farm church start or a traditional church plant, but to have the capacity to try those things on and to actually follow through on doing it. And the places that are willing to experiment like that have a little bit more possibility for new life in them, which is just, I mean, it's biological, like all of this stuff we know, but it's so hard to do. And the gift of these new church plants and garden projects are ways for people to just get a different vision for what could possibly be. But I think there's some something to that, Jerusalem, for sure. A lot of parallels. Yeah, and sort of kind of switching gears, but not quite, um, worshiping in the round. Oh, yeah. <laughs> you gotta, so you got to tune back into the podcast um, about that. But uh, um, sort of that was, you know, 
eating on the same table um, that you've had Eucharist and looking into each other's eyes uh, while you're worshiping. I mean, that was one of my big takeaways. And, 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 you you know, so tune back in, Anna Wolfenden, um, sometime early December. That's right. I shouldn't have season like that. Yeah, I mean, I think, tell us a little bit about that. You well, you, the, it's funny because the church is like you know we're all kind of connected in these beautiful ways, and so St. John's Northampton was my first real church experience. I had a conversion experience in D.C., but because St. John's Northampton is in Smith uh, on the campus of Smith College, that was my first and primary church community. So I worshipped there as a student for four years. And when I was back on campus for my reunion back in May, I met Anna. We had lunch with um, what she would call leftovers, but they're like gourmet, totally gourmet leftovers from the MANA cooperative food um, lunch program that they do based out of St. John's. And we just caught up on all the things. So she had this vision for helping the congregation learn some new things and moving the furniture. And so she was kind of reporting in on how that's going, moving pews around and changing the, the landscape of the the worship space really and it was just it was great i'm excited for her particular gifts coming to that particular place almost a 200 year church year old church with someone who's got this mindset of growing things and getting our hands in the dirt and planting new things both you know vegetables and churches it's it was it was um wonderful to see her in that place yeah it's just the idea of we all need to be planting stuff yeah in our churches it's not just going out and planting a church, but it's you know really coming in with with new ideas like what you were talking about Jerusalem. Um, I think there's so much we can gain from that. Jerusalem, you remind me though another way we could go with podcast guests. I I had a conversion. Well, I'm not sure if it's conversion experience is the word, but when I went to Nebraska, maybe in 2013 or 14 to preach their convention. Um, their convention was being held not in Omaha, but, um, oh man. But, Come on, Jennifer, you got you got to say where it was because- I know, uh, it's not all, Lincoln, you know, it's not North my, Platte. You know, Hastings, how about, was it Hastings? No, I think it began no, with my, L. Uh, okay. North anyway, Platte? No, no, not North Platte, because I, I've broken down in North Platte, and that name, that place is forever in my mind. It wasn't there. But yeah, let me, well, let's give me, I'm going to keep all, talking. All, all, you see, all my farm people uh, are in Nebraska. <laughs> oh, so. oh, okay. All right. I will find the name. But the point is, <laughs> I had come into this, they asked me to talk about food justice issues. And, you know, I just had come from Syracuse and had all of my small family farm organic people in my mind. And I said, you know, I will never have a McDonald's French fry again, ever, right? I have since repented and I've had the French fries. <laughs> but at the time, so I'm doing this convention, but I ha- I was face to face with the people who grow the potatoes for McDonald's right. and the, the cattle ranchers. And I'm like, these are Episcopalians just trying to live their life, doing their, you know, vocation and their work. And I'm like, McDonald's is evil. And I had to go, wait a minute. Okay, this is much more complicated. How do I now, instead of just being like, big ag is bad, 
lean in a little bit and learn from people who I ostensibly care about just because we're all in this big church family. And I don't want them to lose their business because I'm not buying enough French fries, which, you know, not really a thing, but I, so, but I thought it would be interesting to have a conversation with folks like that too, you know, and to just, because they're faithful people, they've all trying to figure out all the things we're doing, but in a really different way. So yeah. Yeah. No, that's good. We should find some folks that would be great conversations to have. And, um, yeah, and I think that's a little bit what our professor at Wartburg is trying to help folks think through, you know, there, um, there's somebody on, on the other side of everything we buy. Right. And right. the, just to completely wipe it out. I have a friend and she's a writer, Shannon Martin. She talks a lot about neighbor and belonging. Um, and she's in the state of Indiana in Goshen, I think Goshen's in Indiana, right? Yeah. That's what uh, north, yeah. Huh? yeah. And, um, she's written several books on neighboring. They moved into a, a, a lower income neighbor. Her husband's a, a chaplain at the local jail and they're very involved. And, um, you know, she kind of every Christmas kind of goes on this rant about to tell people to stop ranting against Walmart because she's like, I know all the things. And my neighbors would not have Christmas presents for their children, right? Or even access to fresh vegetables. Walmart is actually the only place within so many miles where you can get fresh vegetables other than if you grow them yourself. I mean, it's, so she just kind of has this lovely, which is kind of what you're saying. There's somebody on the other side of that, you know, sometimes it's the only place that's employing. There's just a, all of these things matter. We are way more connected than we would like to think we are. Um, if you really get outside your own bubble. And so I just appreciate that. And I appreciate the, the awareness, you know, that that causes me to have and the conviction before I just write off something or just make some flippant comment about no more X, no more Starbucks or whatever it is. And and yet the person working behind the counter at Starbucks has insurance because they work at Starbucks. And so their kid can have their medicine, right? It is a, it's a complicated thing. Um, and I think part of honoring the dignity of all people is being aware of that. Right. Right. And so um, like the, the prayer um, in our prayer book, uh, uh, bless those whose lives are closely linked with ours, right? And like, <laughs> because we're only one degree of separation from everybody else, that's a lot of people whose lives are closely linked with ours in ways that it's, you know, we're not always conscious of. Oh, and by the way, it's Kearney. Kearney, Nebraska is where I was. Okay, well, okay. I got, <laughs> I don't know if I still have family in Kearney, but I know Kearney real well. Yeah. <laughs> Now we can go back to the topic at hand. Okay. <laughs> Everyone that was on the edge of their seat, it was Carney. That's right. That's Carney. <laughs> Those who were shouting it through the, the, right. the right. screen. Yeah. <laughs> wow. A small college town in the middle, kind of in the the middle of the state. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. Awesome. Well, I think we have a lot to talk about over the next season. Of triple S, as Brian calls it. <laughs> so triple S, yeah. And so, you know, we've got some good episodes coming up with uh, the two, uh, well, Anna and Anna. 
on the shine and a wolf in them. And then we're also the next one that will be coming up. We're going to do a reprise of uh, the order of Necratius. Yeah. uh, Christian Baron, who's now in the diocese of Indianapolis and Sarah Smith, who's in the diocese of Oklahoma, you know, um, so they're both, they both, uh, they both fish, um, but Sarah um, does a, a lot of hunting, much more than, than Christian does. And uh, so it'll be good to uh, talk with them. And then we just have, you know, and anyone who's listening to this, if you've got an episode idea, send it to me. Um, and, uh, our podcast email is spade spoon soul podcast at gmail.com. So send your ideas because we're always looking for, for stuff. And, um, you know, we're looking forward to uh, a pretty good, uh, run this, this coming year. And we want to tell your stories. We know they're out there. And so um, there's a lot going on and we would love to be able to highlight what what you're up to. So let us know. Absolutely. Yep. Love, love to share those stories and get ideas. I feel like, especially now that, you know, I'm here at Proctor, I need all the ideas. So <laughs> I want to hear. Happy to help. <laughs> well, I'm really grateful for this this team and uh, especially for Derek that makes it so wonderful um, on the back end and uh, and we like it when he can pinch hit as as a coach as well that's right we're grateful for Jay Sidebotham who did our amazing artwork like I need a full size of that framed in my office yeah and and (laughs) we gotta hit it we gotta hit him up for a refreshment on that too we, we need more panels <laughs> so uh, i will tag uh, side bottom art uh, on this episode and see if i can get him to listen and um uh we even mentioned jay just so you know uh the episode with anna wolfenden mm-hmm. um you know we managed to work one of your former parishes into that episode so you're going to have to listen. Um, okay. <laughs> Excellent. That's really funny. I need to hear about this update on the artwork, though. I mean, I, my hair's a little grayer than it was when we started this podcast, and so I'm not really interested in touching it up that way. But like, I no. like it. My hair was in braids, and that's where I'm, I'm trying to get my hair long again. So, you know. <laughs> I think you just want to put Derek. Yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. We need to add Derek in there for yeah. sure. Yeah, but... Jay always does something with his artwork with me that I don't really like. Um, oh, he gave me, it's about yeah, you. My, my, yeah, it's about me. It's, <laughs> it's about my ball. It's about my. It's always about my baldness, isn't it, Jay? Um, you want a ball cap like, on, don't you? Yeah, you no, know, I'll have the ball cap on because otherwise it does a sort of a tonsure. You know, it oh. makes me look like a you know a medieval monk. Um, <laughs> Well, on 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 that on that note, there we go. <laughs> I will see the two of you in London sometime okay. next year. Yes. Two, All right. Let's 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 meet in London. 
Ohio. 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 <laughs> right, it's going to be a great weekend. So let's make yeah. sure we get a meal for sure. We'll do something. That'd be great. <laughs> all right, yeah, it's great to see you. Got great to be with you all, and great to be back in the podcast. Uh, yeah. Yes. Thanks. Thanks, everybody.